Hello, I'm Erin Bremer-Wright, and thank you for joining me for the Strength and Vulnerability Podcast, an inspiring, motivational, and positive show that highlights the awesome things women are contributing to the world through the lens of vulnerability. Vulnerability is often seen as a weakness, but it actually takes great strength to allow oneself to be vulnerable and go for what you want in life. So join me as I chat with women who found their strength and vulnerability. Thank you so much for joining today's show. I have with me Marianne Element Hefley, who is an associate optometrist at Integrated Eye Care in Bend, Oregon. Marianne, thank you so much for joining today's show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, I am so excited to have you on. So not only are you an optometrist, but you're also a mom. I am. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the journey um, just to get within optometry because it is such a distinguished um, field and it's difficult to get into. It requires, you know, a master's degree specific in optometry. And throughout your schooling, I want to touch on how you traveled all over essentially the world to get it pursuing, you know, your career and development. So, um, I want to touch on that and kind of walk through what that was like in terms of picking up and moving and kind of going to a brand new place. So let's kick off with when you studied abroad in France during your undergraduate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Free time. (laughs) Yes, which is where we met, actually, was in France during study abroad. Yeah. So how did you come to that decision to kind of just move from, you were in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. What... Where did you come up with France as a destination point to live? So I knew that I eventually wanted to study abroad during school because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the one time in your life that you're kind of guaranteed that you can kind of move around. You don't really have a lot of ties down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a time to be exploring yourself and what Mm -hmm. you like. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) pre-mom, I have to get out there and and see what it's like. Mm -hmm. And Um, I studied French in high school, and Mm. so I was like, well, I should go somewhere where it really kind of benefits me, not only in learning about myself being somewhere new, Mm -hmm. but where I could, like, actually become proficient in French. So Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, but France sounds like a great idea. So Mm -hmm. that's how I decided to go there. Um, The only thing that I was worried about was if I could continue kind of my science track while I was Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were a few classes that might be considered like some of my GEs and so that's really Mm -hmm. when I decided I can do this like I can just put Mm -hmm. that in as being my GE and I ended up getting a French minor too just so that it counted as something school-wise but basically Mm -hmm. it was I want to study abroad I want to do this before I graduate and so that's how I decided to go there. Wow and you when you moved to France did you know anyone or? Oh no! Definitely not. So um, I decided, you know, so I've lived a lot of places growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. My dad um, had like some work abroad opportunities. So I did live in Barcelona, Spain when I was little for Mm -hmm. like third, fourth and fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't seem like that scary to go Mm -hmm. somewhere without anyone. Of course, in third, fourth and fifth grade, I went with my family, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. our whole family went without knowing anyone. And Mm -hmm. when we were there, we met like people who kind of adopted us as their family. And so I kind of have this, I mean, I'm sure it won't always happen, but I kind of have this mindset of you can go somewhere and Mm -hmm. people are usually pretty awesome and welcoming. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, this will happen there, hopefully. (laughs) 
see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah, it did, and it did end up working out great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there wasn't anyone there I knew, but I knew that you know I would meet people. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're fluent in English, yes, French, and Spanish. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because your mom um, is it's Mexican. Is Mexican, and yeah. your dad is he Irish or where is he? He's from originally from New York. Okay. Um, grew up okay. in California most mm-hmm. of his life. Um. So like heritage wise, mm. yeah, French and German, but not like that was like mm. I didn't grow up learning German or anything like that. So English and Spanish in the household mm-hmm. and then French in high school. Which is, I'm very impressed because <laughs> one language is difficult, oh, no. two yeah. is yeah. amazing, yeah. three, yeah. Marianne. <laughs> okay, so bilingual in three languages and then you're like, I want to be an optometrist. Yeah. I want to help people with their eyesight and yes. be, you know, helping literally everyone has eyes so you are are doing amazing work so um I know when you were pursuing that that you had to actually leave France a little bit early to pursue that but when you graduated um was it San Luis Obispo University or Um, Cal Poly Cal Poly yeah um so when you graduated there you went to get your um master's degree right in optometry uh doctorate degree degree. pardon me it's okay um, sorry, I should know this. No, that's okay. Um, so to get your doctorate degree, where did you go to study and how did you decide where to go to study for that? Yeah, so um, there are not that many schools of optometry. Now that I've graduated and have been working, there are a few more, but mm. there's not really that many to begin with. So um, I was thinking, you know, I either want to stay um, close. So mm-hmm. I of course applied to the schools in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, then I was like, but you know, they have this good bilingual program at the Inter-American University, which is in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and because I already speak Spanish, mm-hmm. um, I figured that with my job, most likely I'd be wanting to work with the like Hispanic population so mm-hmm. that we could get um, those eye exams for them where if they're only comfortable speaking Spanish, they could come with me and feel yeah. like it's like a normal eye exam. Yeah. There doesn't have to be a translator. Um, so yeah. I wanted to be um, well-trained in like clinic in Spanish. So like growing up mm. with Spanish, you don't really talk about um, like, you know, glasses. And I mean, you talk about glasses, but you don't talk about myopia and hyperopia and I'm going to be pulling down your eyelid and looking at your lens. I mean, these aren't like terms, you know, medical terms that you don't talk about when you're at home. No. Why would you be talking about those, you know? I don't know what myopia, what does that mean? So myopia means you're nearsighted and hyperopia means you're farsighted. So all these things have words for them in Spanish Mm -hmm. that I'm sure I heard every once in a while, but I wanted to feel like I know this down, you know, very, very well. I Mm -hmm. wanted to feel comfortable giving Mm -hmm. an eye exam in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to be in a program where clinic is in Spanish. And so that's why I ultimately ended up going to Inter-American because it's the only one that has that full, like a lot of times your patients didn't speak English. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that was the best way to do it. Kind of just jump in feet first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and where where was this located, the school? Um, It's in Bayamon, Puerto Rico, which is kind of like central of the island. Um, Yeah, and it it was a whole new experience. I'd never lived on an island in my life, but um, it was uh, three and a half years actually on the island and then a half Mm -hmm. year of like clinical rotation, so Mm -hmm. they they weren't on the island. But yeah, three and a half years in Puerto Rico. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So... Marianne, you are pursuing this career and you want to help um, 
you know, those that Spanish is their first native language and they're more comfortable speaking Spanish and they don't require a translator, as you said, which is amazing. Um, and you are trilingual. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it works, so it works <laughs> out. <easy> me. <laughs> um, so in terms of um, the passion to go into it, that's obvious to me. But in terms of how you prepare yourself um, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually to kind of take that leap and move to an island. Mm-hmm. I know that you went with your husband, Dave, who... Yeah. Um, and this was when you guys were just, you weren't husband and wife yet, we weren't. but we weren't even engaged. We you, were, we were dating, you were dating, <laughs> but we'd been dating for a while. Yeah. yeah. But still you are yeah. uprooting your life once again. Yeah. So you moved to France by yourself. Now yeah. you're moving to Puerto Rico to yeah. pursue being an amazing optometrist, which you are. <laughs> what, how do you prepare yourself for that? And what do you tell your friends and your family? Like, Hey guys, so I'm moving to an Island. Yeah. Like, what do you, how do you? That takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of, you know, um, honestly, again, the, the main, uh, topic of the show is vulnerability. So of course it, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to take these huge risks because you can move to Puerto Rico and ultimately just be like, Oh, this was a disaster. I don't (laughs) want to be an optometrist. You know, you never know. You never know. So how, what was that like that journey when you're decided like, no, this makes so much sense for what I want to do. And then actually doing it. Yeah. It's a whole other, you know, thing. Oh yeah. So what was that journey like? So it was once I decided I was going was kind of when it, like sunk in I think to everyone around me like Mm -hmm. you're going but it was really great because my mom I remember being super supportive and being like even if you go there and like I know that you're like this is what I'm gonna do this is Mm -hmm. I need to get it done so the the scary thing about a graduate program is when you accept and go into this doctorate program you're Mm -hmm. immediately taking on debt right so Mm -hmm. you're you unless you have great funds so I don't have those great funds and I and I needed to get um a loan like a grant to go to school Mm -hmm. um and it you take it out before you even start so Mm -hmm. if you decide in your first semester this isn't for me Mm -hmm. you're gonna owe a really big chunk of money and you don't have that doctorate degree coming out so if you have another job that maybe isn't making very much money Mm -hmm. all of it is going to be going to pay for this debt for this decision that you made that didn't work out right Mm -hmm. but my mom was really great in that she said I know there's this stress of like I have to do it once I decide I'm going in I'm in it and Mm -hmm. she was like but know that like you're always welcome back home and if it doesn't work out Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out you don't need to stay there because Mm -hmm. it's terrible and you just have to get through this program Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like that was really nice to have it's what I needed to hear um Mm -hmm. and it made it so that yeah this isn't you know I don't have to go through with this if it's so Mm -hmm. terrible Mm -hmm. um but of course, in my mind, I was like, well, yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get through this. But it was yeah. nice to know that there's that safety net, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, and then I just decided, you know, Dave was on board. That was one of the biggest things. So once I applied and got accepted, you know, are you willing to go down here mm-hmm. with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, which yeah. was also made it really easy. Like if I had had to pick between keeping a relationship and going, like, mm-hmm. who knows? Like I can't say one way or the other what mm-hmm. would have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have to. So I yeah. feel like I had a lot of support from the people going. They were kind of like, I mean, we did get quite a bit of like, are you sure that you want to go there? And yeah. it's true. I mean, when we went to France, it was mm-hmm. a one year Yes. Um, investment. Yes. This one was yeah. four. So it was like, are you sure you want to go live somewhere you've never lived with a completely different mm-hmm. culture, a completely mm-hmm. different environment, and just mm-hmm. see what happens? And mm-hmm. I was like, this is 
what I want to do. I'm going to have to go to school mm-hmm. anywhere. It's going to be different wherever I go. Mm-hmm. And I got in and my you know, boyfriend of the time is willing to go too. Sure, let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and it was, it was, it was scary. I'm not going to be like, oh no, it was easy. You yeah. Know, we like yeah. shipped down our life in like two suitcases and, <laughs> and then just didn't know anyone down there, you yeah. know, and, um, but then at least had the program that we're going into. So mm-hmm. there are, uh, 60 other people, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe 55, some were mm-hmm. from Puerto Rico. Um, so it's a little easier for them, but they're all these people who are in the same boat. And, and mm. I was lucky in that I knew the language. And Puerto Rico is basically bilingual. Like there, most people speak both English and Spanish, but okay. there are some areas where there's more just Spanish speaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these people weren't fluent in Spanish and they mm-hmm. also knew, you know, I want to go to Uptownshire school. I want to get this education. Mm-hmm. And they were willing to go with that extra hurdle, you know, like I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to learn Spanish while I'm at it and be able to talk to them. So that, wow. those people to me are the ones that you're like, wow, yeah, <laughs> this is amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't speak the yeah. language, but you're just going you're just for going, it. Wow. You're going for the school and you'll learn the language while you're there. Okay. Yeah. That is like a whole other beast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Learning a language is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I feel like for me, it was like France 2.0. Like I, you know, I'm going on another trip where yeah. I learned something new, but I know the language this time. Yes. So it's going to be, you know, so for me, it wasn't as scary in terms of the language part because mm-hmm. I already knew that. Yeah. But, yeah. but still, I mean, I, I don't want to lessen the fact that you chose what you're doing is such an honorable um profession I think Um, because (laughs) you you know you're helping people with their eyesight and you went in with the desire to help people who might feel uncomfortable because English is not their first language so you definitely wanted to you know be there for people who Spanish the more comfortable speaking um and they can talk to you know the doctor you don't have to have someone else in the room yeah and you have such a supportive mom that's awesome that was like no wonder you're so positive and always In a great mood. It makes sense. Your mom and your dad are like so thoughtful. Um, It's obvious. But, um, and let me ask you this, because I honestly, Marianne, you are always so optimistic and so positive. How do you keep that with you, even when it's like, because not everyone has the best day, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm no, sure. I have bad days, for yeah, sure. And yeah, and in Puerto Rico, I'm sure there were times where you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Yeah, it so, was. Yeah. So do you just tell yourself, like, this is just a bad day, you can do this? Like, do yeah. you have, um, you know, because I feel like a lot of people get in these slumps and they're like, I just don't know where to turn and I don't know how to talk myself out of it. And you can go either you know, the negative route or the positive route, what do you do to stay on the positive route? So I think one of the really important things to myself mm-hmm. is to accept what is happen- happening. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm like a pretty positive person, like mm-hmm. allowing myself to say like, this really sucks. Like this mm-hmm. is really an unfair situation or mm-hmm. just a really unfortunate situation that I currently find myself in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, accepting that that's okay to me is a big deal like Mm -hmm. I don't like to pretend like it's not fine Mm -hmm. but then you say you know how do I feel better how do I fix this so Mm -hmm. sometimes you can't fix it Mm -hmm. and then the question is how do I make myself feel better about Mm -hmm. it so one of the big things for me especially in Puerto Rico was 
working out and just doing a workout um, and doing like, like stretching yoga is a really big one for me. So in Puerto Rico, running and yoga were like my two best friends Um, and swimming because they had pools down there, which is awesome. So I could run on the beach. So, you know, it's, it's beautiful. You Mm -hmm. get to go out. I'd run like near, um, sunset so that I could run and have beautiful view, mm-hmm. um, and have some music going, you know, um, yeah. and then when it got really, really stressful, you know, um, doing some yoga and some breathing and, and trying to meditate, I feel like meditation is mm-hmm. pretty tough. So mm-hmm. not saying that I got there, but like just trying to relax and feel like, okay, yeah. you can, you can overcome this beast. And a lot of it, you know, was some of it was being in Puerto Rico and it was problems with, you know, how do I, register my car, things like that. Yeah. Um, but then part of it was just school, you know, mm-hmm. like I have this huge exam and mm-hmm. I don't feel ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, making sure that I did things to be physically active, kind mm-hmm. of burn off some of that stress and steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part was having friends and mm-hmm. I would not have made it through Puerto Rico if I had not met these wonderful group of people at my school, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. who I talk to every day to this day, you know, yeah. we, we still talk to each other about what we're doing. They're all optometrists, obviously, yeah. so that yeah. really helps. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, having someone else who is also like, man, this sucks, you know, like mm-hmm. how can we help each other mm-hmm. get through this? How can we deal with this certain course where mm-hmm. the professor is notorious for not doing X or Y. So how can we work together to fill in that gap and make it better? Um, And that was really, I think, the biggest thing is having supportive friends. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Dave, my best friend, having him there was huge. Um, And then having exercise, like my release was to work out or do mm-hmm. yoga, not even just like working out hard, but like trying to mm-hmm. breathe well you yeah. know, and feel better. Yeah. 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 And then sometimes you have a good cry and like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody needs that. Everybody so. needs, everyone needs it. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You yeah. got to release it somehow. Yeah. And, and like, it's not a big deal no. if you have to have a good cry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. very normal yeah. actually. <laughs> It's healthy. Yeah, it's it works. Really, it works for you. Worse for me, to bottle anyway. it in. Yeah, it is. It's really, really tough when you bottle it in. Well, let me ask you this. So now, now that you're a mom, yeah, and you have a little, you have a son. He's yes. one and a half now. He, yeah, so he's twenty months. He's 20 right months. in between one and a half and okay. two years old. Very, okay. One and a half is great. <laughs> so one and a half is great. Yeah. Great. So, so you're an optometrist working. Um, yeah. You work basically full time, but a few days a week. So then you can be with your son the rest of the week. Exactly. So now that your hands are completely full, yeah. <laughs> how you probably don't have as much time to yeah. go running and do yeah. yoga yes. and do all these things. So what, how do you deal with stressors now that you are in your profession and you're, you know, I'm sure with work comes stress and then you have a kid yeah. who's lovely, but of course <laughs> having children is stressful too. It is, yeah, you know? it definitely so, is. How do you keep so optimistic and, you know, rejuvenate and stay on top of everything? Yeah. Well, so I'm not always on top of everything. <laughs> you learn to uh, accept more of like the laundry being left or the dishes mm-hmm. being left. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's only so much time in a day. And mm-hmm. so you learn to prioritize what mm-hmm. is important to you. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately for people who come visit, like, cleanliness is not what it's important to me so you won't find everything folded and put away and the dishes away you know that we'll throw them in the dishwasher and when we get there we get there yeah um but also having you know I'm not a single mom I have my husband Dave he's Mm -hmm. a huge support yeah absolutely Um, I also have a nanny who Mm -hmm. takes care of Liam when I'm at work Mm -hmm. and she's like the nanny sent from heaven like she's so supportive and so helpful Mm -hmm. um and 
but I do, I do still do yoga and I do still oh, great. like meditate that kind of thing. Like I, mm-hmm. I do take the time and, and it's not always, um, you know, it's not right when you need it always because you yeah. sometimes there's no time and mm-hmm. you just have to say, like I said before, okay, this sucks. It's not fair that I don't have, you know, the 30 minutes I need to myself, yeah. but I will get it later. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, just keeping in mind, like, okay, we're going to get through this day mm-hmm. and then eventually work will be done. Mm-hmm. Liam will be asleep mm-hmm. and then I can take a bath or mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. do some yoga at home, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, I think knowing that you'll eventually get there, there'll eventually be respite. Somebody will help you eventually, <laughs> or you'll just get through it and it'll all work out. Um, yeah. I think that kind of keeps you thinking, you know, this, this isn't going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. And he's not always going to be tiny. He's not yeah. always going to need so much help. Um, mm-hmm. And I think eventually I'll miss like him needing me as much. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of in that mindset of this will get easier. It mm-hmm. will change. So there will be things that get harder. But, yeah. you know, the, I think the crunch on time will eventually be lighter. Mm-hmm. Like I won't always feel like, oh, I need 30 yeah. minutes to myself and I can't get it. You know, I, I don't think it will always be that way. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm telling myself. too just not just accepting like okay like the dishes are in the sink they'll go in the dishwasher later and like there's laundry and we'll fold that later and just that acceptance of like there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so much I can do um I think that's a really good philosophy to live by yeah because I feel like especially working moms there's this huge pressure to be perfect like the perfect mom and the perfect (laughs) doctor (laughs) and You know, like it's just you're supposed to do everything perfectly, and there's there is no perfect. There is no perfect, and you can't do everything every day. Yeah, no, you can't. I mean, there's only so much time, and I think a lot of times that's just it. It's like the pressure that you put on yourself Mm -hmm. can be worse. Mm -hmm. Like, I really want this to look clean. I want Mm -hmm. it to be whatever. Like, if it's really messy and it's stressing me out, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's the thirty minutes to myself. You know, just like cleaning Mm -hmm. that corner, so I tuck everything away, and I'm like. I can breathe now because yeah. I can see the floor, you know, like, but that's what I need that day. But if I'm like exhausted and the sound of picking things up is like, that's mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go read a book and like eat a cookie, you know, <laughs> be like, this is what I'm doing tonight. And that's yeah. it. And I'm not going to judge myself for, for feeling that way. Yeah. I think one of the really great things that you hear in yoga class is, um, be aware of how you feel today, what your body is telling you today. Mm. And then just, it's not even accept, but just be aware of it and then mm-hmm. let it go. So don't judge yourself for mm-hmm. how you feel. You know, like if you're, you know, having a bad day where you left the sink completely full of dishes, don't be like, gosh, you really are a slob. You know, mm-hmm. you really should get that. It's like, just accept it. Like today there are dishes in there. They're not yeah. going to get done. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> yeah. Let's try again there and see if you're less messy, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good um, mantra kind of to live by. It is, by it too. is. I feel yeah. like yoga really helps. I mean, not yeah. that I'm like, <laughs> I'm not selling yoga to anyone, but to me, yoga just means like, you know, taking some time for awareness, for self-awareness, yeah. be it your body or your mind. What mind space are you in? Yeah. And how can you make it better for yourself? And right. I think one of the things that makes it better for myself is knowing mm-hmm. that sometimes it's not good sometimes it is good and Mm -hmm. it's okay to be either one like Mm -hmm. you don't have to I think a lot of times like you said you seem positive and in our society people want you to be happy and positive and Mm -hmm. not be the negative Nancy you know Mm -hmm. but 
sometimes you are and you don't have to share it with everyone but you have to accept it yourself like mm. okay I'm I'm not super positive today and that's okay you yeah. know give yourself a break like even yeah. if you're not expecting anyone else to give it to you just say I don't have to be super chipper today yeah. if I don't want to you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that give yeah. yourself a break yeah give I yourself a break I don't think People a lot of moms do yeah. I feel like moms, um, I mean, the moms I'm around, like they're, they're really hard on themselves and they're really critical of themselves and put a lot of pressure on themselves. So that's yeah. definitely, uh, something I love to hear, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. human. Yeah, it right? is. It's very human. Yeah. Um, so where I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as an optometrist, uh, and I, I'm asking this question because I know there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, this sounds amazing. Like you are doing such a great profession. If Marianne can do it, I can do it too. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, like I want to have a family and she's doing it all. So let me ask you this as in your profession, um, you know, it's not just about getting glasses and it's not just about contacts. Unfortunately, you do have to deliver very bad news sometimes to patients like who may be losing their eyesight. And when you deliver this type of news, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to do that because that's not easy. You know, if you put up a wall and you're like, you're going blind and you walk away, (laughs) no, unacceptable. No one would come see you. So you, you really do, you have to be, you know, and you care, obviously you care for your patients. So can you kind of talk about what you do to get to that point where you're delivering not so great news, not just you need, you need glasses or contacts, but you potentially might lose your eyesight. That's, Yeah, that's scary. It is. It is scary. And there's no good way to deliver that news. Mm-hmm. So the the best way that I've figured out how to do that is mm-hmm. one to have a lot of backup in terms of science. So mm-hmm. to be able to show people like we, we have a really great office where we get a lot of really good photos. We have scans that are similar to like an MRI, but for your eye mm-hmm. called an OCT. So we have a lot of information. So mm-hmm. um, one of the way that I like to prepare people is to say, you know, I'm finding something that's different from Mm. the normal today with you. And I always do tell them, like, I don't want you to be completely stressed out, but Mm. um, we do need to have a little bit more concern. And so, and then I'll go into what, what we're talking about. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky. And not only do we have a lot of information to back up what we're seeing, but we have some really great people that we work with. So Mm. if there's someone who is losing their vision because of a corneal problem. I have a really great corneal specialist that I know that I can send them to and I know that she's going to do the best that she can to give them care. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they have something going on with their retina, there's a retina specialist that I can send them to. So it's really important, I think, to have that community of okay. um, mm-hmm. like the healthcare system mm-hmm. where you know where you're sending your patient next so mm-hmm. that it's not the worst case scenario. You right. know, And even in the people who have like a degenerative eye disease where it's not going to get better mm-hmm. knowing what to connect them to mm-hmm. so low vision um, places where they can get help mm-hmm. so their vision may not be what we consider good mm-hmm. vision mm-hmm. but get that vision to be the best that it can be you mm-hmm. know and so mm-hmm. um, send them in the direction of where can you get aid for this mm-hmm. and it's it's different things it's sometimes it's it's actual like magnifiers and um, things that will make it bigger that you can't just find over the counter. Um, sometimes it's services where 
okay, you can't drive anymore. This is a service that you could use where they can help transport you around. And so I think it's really important to have, know where the resources are in the community and be able mm-hmm. to point your patient in that direction so that mm-hmm. they're taken care of. And then um, in the community that I'm in, most of those people are really great in responding back. So I know what's happening with mm-hmm. them. So I don't just mm-hmm. like send my patient mm-hmm. out into the world and I'm like, I hope it goes well. I hope you can see eventually, you know, like I, I will hear back from mm-hmm. them. If it's not working, we're going to work on that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just saying, you know, this is hard to hear. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about how your eye differs from the normal. Um, and I, I tell them it's okay to be upset, you know, and if it takes a little bit longer because someone is crying or upset in my exam room, I'm not just going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to sit there with them until their questions are answered. Um, and of course, if we're on a, on a schedule, I'll say, I'm going to give you a few minutes. I'll go and work with someone and come back. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important. Um, I'm working with humans. We're all going to be human. We're all going to feel there's no, you know, like, like set schedule. That's so important mm-hmm. that we can't say, wow, this is a really bad thing that we've found that is hard to deal with, you know, too bad for you. Like, that will never happen (laughs) because I care too much, you know. So it's important to just say, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. This is the steps that we can take. So you're not just saying, here's the the end, you Mm -hmm. know, like this is, Mm -hmm. that's that's it for you. Like, even Mm -hmm. if the condition isn't going to improve, what can we do to improve Mm -hmm. now that situation I think is really helpful. Yeah, so confront the issue, but also provide some sort of, not necessarily resolution, but next steps to, yes. you know, discovering more, doing everything you can do to yeah. help. Yeah. That sounds, I, I can't imagine telling a patient that and them kind of like losing it on you. Cause yeah. I would, I yeah. mean, if you told me that I would lose it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we have misty eye too, you know, it's not, yeah. we're not unhuman, so nobody wants to tell someone that. And if you have a small kid and their mom mm. in there with you, like some of these ones are super sad. Um, and, and I think, but I think, like I said, that's human. I yeah, mean, I, I don't yeah. think anyone's going to think less of me in terms of what I can do with my skills if I tear up when I tell someone a, a sad diagnosis, you know, mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of why I picked optometry. It's mm-hmm. very, um, one-on-one with mm-hmm. someone, you're talking with them, you build a mm-hmm. relationship. And so you're not just going to say, this is what's happening by, <laughs> you're going to say, this is what's happening. How can we make this better? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important to note. Um, that we're all human because I feel like women, especially in the professional sense, we're expected to carry a certain demeanor. And if we allow ourselves to show emotion, sometimes we get scrutinized for that, right? So if you show like, no, I'm sad, that means you're not strong enough or tough enough to handle this sort of career. But you're also unhuman if you're telling a child that they're, you know, potentially losing their eyesight and you don't have any emotions yeah. from that. Yeah. That that is vulnerability. That is being human. That is normal. <laughs> life, yep. That is life. And I think that's so I'm so happy to hear you say that. And I think so many women need to hear that. That there are doctors that, you know, just because you they they carry this title and, you know, this profession and they have all this experience, they are human at the end of the day. And oh yeah. If you choose that <laughs> Right, and you choose that profession, you know, you are allowed to carry the emotions just as you would any profession, right? And that shouldn't, you shouldn't be subjected to not being tough enough or strong enough or seen differently in that respect. So, um, and I I lied, I have one more question for you. I'm like, (laughs) last one, one more. Um, So what would you tell someone who potentially is thinking about moving away for school, whether it be 
you know, undergrad or getting a master's or getting a PhD or getting a doctorate, um, you know, and they, they're trying to figure it out because it's a tough, it's tough to move and kind of uproot your life. Um, and even now for your career, you uprooted your life. So you live in Bend, Oregon. I do. And you are not from here. No. And you're kind of... <laughs> it's very you, snowy right now. It's very snowy. I'm from sunny San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> not normal. <laughs> right. And it's you, your husband, and your son. Yeah. You know, you don't have any other family out here. Yeah. You yeah. moved out here You for your profession yeah. um, and for your family. And... I mean, Marianne, I, I just have to say this. Like, I just think it's so honorable that you have continuously moved to better your life, to better. And then when you and Dave, you know, married and became, uh, you know, had a son, it's like we're going to continue this journey to better our family's lives um, financially as well and have a stable home and what's best for us as a family unit. And that doesn't always mean, you know, I can live where my parents live or where I can live where all my friends live. It's you're moving to what's better for the family as a unit, yeah. um, which is a hard decision too. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, your mom and your dad yeah. aren't here to yeah. babysit whenever you want. Yeah. And, you know, Dave's dad is the same. So yeah. what do you say, what would you say to people who are like, I, I kind of want to, you know, I want to move for this career. I want to move for my education, but I'm, I'm scared to do it and I'm scared to leave everyone. Yeah. What do you, what would you say? Like how you're a very strong woman is what I'm getting at and very positive and how I, this is such a loaded question, yes. but yeah. any advice that you yes. could give to them? So I think knowing yourself is like one of the biggest things. And I say that with a grain of salt, because obviously when I went to France, like mm -hmm. I didn't know myself. I was, what were we, juniors, sophomores in college. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty, it yeah. was pretty early on. Um, but I did know myself in the way of, I knew, I've known my whole life, I want to study abroad. And mm -hmm. part of it is my sister studied abroad and she was like, this is amazing, you oh. have to do it. Um, my sister now lives in Melbourne, Australia. Mm -hmm. So she is just like me, we're just like travel around people. Yeah. Um, and so I think that knowing yourself and knowing that it's something that you really want to do is mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if the feeling of it is, I think maybe that would be okay. I'd like to try it. There are ways to try what you want before you jump in. Mm. But if you know, like if you have this feeling in your gut, like I think I remember like when I had to go from France, mm -hmm. I, I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to be an optometrist. And if I'm going to be an optometrist, I have to get this course done. Yes. And so mm -hmm. I, I had, I registered like that morning and, and got it. And of course, with our program being mm -hmm. French, not science, like I couldn't take organic chemistry in France. Yeah. So I knew I had to go back. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that if it's something that you really feel in your gut, that like, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You'll have that feeling of maybe there's a lot of really scary things that I'm going to have to mm -hmm. move around and mm -hmm. work with. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I'm going to get what I want, you know, and, mm -hmm. and what I want is to be able to do this career. Mm -hmm. Like for me, the reason I wanted to do optometry was there are a lot of optometrists who are women and a lot of them have families and children and a lot mm. of them can balance work and home life. And that's what I wanted. Mm. So I am like right now living what I was hoping to be able to do. I, I can go to work for a few days a week and I can also be at home with my son. Mm -hmm. And that's like knowing yourself, knowing like, what do you ultimately want? Mm -hmm. 
how you get there is the journey. It's yeah. not, it doesn't have to be that scary if, if you have that guide of your gut, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, and I'm not saying it's fantastic all the time. Like there are terrible things and you do get worried and you do lose sleep, but you know that in the end you're moving toward this goal that you have mm-hmm. and you're, and if you believe in yourself and you believe that you're going to get there, you can do it. Like there's no, you shouldn't be held back by the fears and know that if you are like, oh, I don't want to leave everyone. Mm-hmm. We have Skype, we have WhatsApp, we have so many different ways to communicate where it's not even just a voice anymore. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can see people, you know, mm-hmm. you can talk to them. And and if it is so scary to lose, like maybe one person, mm-hmm. be honest with them, you mm-hmm. know, and talk with them and say, what is it that you're doing? Um, this is like my life goal. Like mm-hmm. I really want to do this. I want to go. I don't want to leave you. Mm-hmm. Would you consider coming with me? Mm-hmm. You know, and that it doesn't have to be your partner. It could be anyone, you know, if, yeah. it, if it's that big to you that mm-hmm. you're going to lose someone and you're feeling like you have to pick between mm. a relationship and a goal, mm-hmm. talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> that's really the only thing you can do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my advice. My advice is go with your gut because you can make it through basically anything as long as you know what you're aiming for. Yeah. It's when you lose sight of your goal that it all kind of falls apart. I am the prize. Yeah, I am yeah. the prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is... it will feel good when you get there. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing what you want, it will feel good and the process will feel worth it. Yeah. If you're not doing what you want, I can't I can't talk to that because I, I can't imagine that it would feel worth it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true because you would probably carry on just knowing, man, I wish I would have done. I Something wish I would have done. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, Marianne, thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, And if anyone wants to see Marianne, you can find her in Bend, Oregon. Um, Let's see, Integrated Eye Care. Yep, that's right. Um, Highly recommend. She's an amazing (laughs) optometrist. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much, Marianne. This was so great.